scripture reading is uh, Galatians chapter 5. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love. Serve one another, for the whole lie is fulfilled in one word. In the statement, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. Morning. Uh, let's begin with just uh, to pray. Um, Lord, Lord, as we just sang, holy, 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 how, how big you are, Lord, how different you are, how we can't compare you to anything. Lord, God, forgive us of our, our sin, Lord. May we rejoice in the simple truth that Christ has died for my sins. And as we look at your word today, uh, Lord, help us to respond. When we feel the, the challenge, the, the challenging, the, the convicting of your spirit, give us grace, God, to respond out of a secure foundation that we're secure in Christ. And Father, we, we ask this in your son's name. Amen. All right, so today is a very pivotal passage in Paul's letter, in his argument, if you will. Uh, the last five and a half chapters, right? It's been a while, but five and a half chapters, he's been arguing nonstop, extolling the, the freedom, the righteousness, the security that we have by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. That's what he's been saying this whole time, arguing for it. That nothing we can do to gain favor with God and nothing we can do can we lose favor with God that we have gained through faith in Christ. And that's been the idea through all of it. He's been arguing for it. He's been opposing the false teachers who are arguing a, a form of legalism about bringing the Mosaic Law back in. And all that brings us to this passage today, which is, as Aaron read, was just three verses where he kind of transitions, he pivots in it. He answers a question here that may has may have been lingering in your mind since we began in October. And that's this question. If we are completely free, if through Christ we are we are under no obligation to obey because Christ in Christ we are righteous, then why should we obey? Why should I obey? If not you, then that's, in, that's been in my mind since then. If we have all this in Christ, if he's paid it all, why should I obey? Right? I mean, if you take off all the pressure from me of obeying God, saying that nothing I can do can earn God's favor, nothing I can do can lose God's favor because I have it all in Christ, then I have a little kind of anxiousness. Well, I'm just going to ease up, and I? And kind of just do what I want? And we see here... That this is what Paul answers in this verse, or in, this, in these verses here. So the question is, if we're completely free, if it's all by grace in Christ, if we are thus not obligated to keep the law, why then should I obey? And so Paul gives us five reasons in this passage. So if you haven't yet, open up with me 
to Galatians chapter 5. And consider these five reasons why you should obey God, even though the gospel is that great, even though you are free and are not obligated to. So here we go. Number one, why obey God? Because we obey out of a grateful response to God's grace. We obey out of a grateful response to God's grace. Starting verse 13, he says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. He reminds him again. If you remember chapter 5, verse 1, For freedom Christ has set you free. You have been called to freedom. We are free from the law. We are free from sin. We are free from the punishment of sin. Christ has set you free. You have eternal favor with God in Christ. The obligation to obey the law has been removed because Christ has done it for you. The Apostle John, so so we obey, we obey out of a, a grateful response to God's grace. The Apostle John says it this way in his first letter. He says, we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. The Apostle Paul, in a, a large chunk of his letters, his whole structure of the letters, and I, I believe I may have said this before, is all based off of this, that we respond to what God has done. If you look at Ephesians, if you look at Romans, uh, his first letter to the Thessalonians, the Philippians, the Colossians, throughout these letters, they're structured, and the first half is, this is what God has done for you. This is God's salvation for you. This is what you have in Christ. And then somewhere in the middle of this letter, he transitions and says, now in light of this, in response to this, live this way. For example, in the letter to the Ephesians, he, he extols our salvation just over and over. By grace, you've been saved. And then in chapter 4, verse 1, he transitions it. He says, therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you've been called. He urges them to live worthy in response to what they already have, the calling that they've been called. So true obedience does not come from fear of punishment, but it comes by what Jerry Bridges says. He says, when we're so gripped by the magnificence and boundless generosity of God's grace that we respond out of gratitude rather than out of a sense of duty. So when you're struggling to obey in an area of your life, whether it be sharing the gospel with our, our co-workers, extended family, our classmates, or, or lust, when we're, we're struggling to obey God in this area, the answer is to, to grow in obedience is not to, to think and fear punishment of God. Rather, it's to dwell on the richness and the fullness of God's grace. One author writes, the problem isn't that we made the gospel too good. The problem is that we don't make it good enough. The problem isn't that we don't make the go- we make the gospel too good. The problem is that we don't make it good enough. Now, I was going to do this. I was going to grab some picture stuff, but imagine this with me. Imagine I have a table, right? I've got a water pitcher in front of me, and there's little cups all around it. Imagine that you are the water pitcher, and these little cups around you are everyone in your life, family members, co-workers, kids, parents, uh, classmates, you name it, they're around you. Your friends, each other, they're in these little cups, and you're this pitcher. 
And when you pour out water into the cups, that's you investing in their lives. That's you loving them. Now there's another pitcher that pours into your pitcher. And that pitcher, that water pitcher, is God's grace, or better yet, our understanding of God's grace. It's how much we drink of God's grace. So now, the way we pour into those in our lives is when we overflow into their lives. And we overflow when God's, when our understanding of God's grace is being poured into our lives. And so our ministry, and we each have a ministry, and our family is our ministry, and our work is ministry, and school is our ministry. The ministry in our lives comes from the overflow of our hearts. And so if we only have a small, a slow trickle into our water pitcher and understanding the gospel, understanding God's uh, amazing grace, understanding God's love, we will barely overflow or it will take a long time. But if we're drinking deeply of the gospel and God's grace and God's love, it will fall, it will, it will fill up quickly, it will just overflow in people's lives. That's because the overflow is what fuels our ministry. Or as Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. In his letter to the Corinthians, he says that, explaining kind of what is driving, what is his motivation every day to go through persecution, to go through all this suffering, to be opposed, to go nonstop. He says, the love of Christ compels me. So what is compelling us? Are we trying to hold to fear to compel us? Uh, a sense of legalism that I have to do this in order to earn God's grace? Are we holding on to that? Well, the gospel says that Christ has paid it all, and it's this love and this understanding and this deepening understanding which compels us. We obey out of a response to God's grace. So that's the first point we see here. If we are free and we're not even obligated to obey, why do we obey? Number one, because out of a response to God's grace. Number two, the second reason we obey God is because obedience to our desires, our sinful desires, is slavery. Now, when we think of a freedom or to define freedom, we typically think of freedom as the ability to do what we want, right? Whether it is as a teenager, the ability to do whatever I want and not what my parents want. Or a freedom of speech, I'm able to say what I want. Or the freedom of religion, I'm able to worship what I want. We, we define freedom in this idea that we do what we want. Freedom is being able to do what we want. But that slavery, if we are enslaved to that, for example, the Bible presents slavery as slavery to our sinful nature. We cannot not sin. We cannot not lust. We cannot not gossip. But Christ has set us free, he says. We are free from that. We can obey God. Paul writes here, verse 13, For freedom, uh, for you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. And that word opportunity is actually used of a central base of operations for a military campaign. A central base. So Paul is saying, do not use your freedom that you have in Christ as a, a base to just go after your sinful desires. He's saying, don't do that. Because obedience to our sinful desires enslaves us. 
Paul says in Romans, he says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness? And I think each of us can testify to this. Uh, whether that be indulging in entertainment and comfort, or indulging in making everything about money in our careers, or, or indulging in lust and pornography, it enslaves us. It's like an addiction. Obeying our sinful desires enslaves us. So we should obey God because obedience to our desires is slavery. Why go back to what Jesus has set us free from? Why go back to a slave master that has led us to nothing but doing shameful things that we're ashamed of now, that has done nothing but promise us satisfaction but leave us empty and promise us fulfillment and left us feeling in guilt and shame. Why go back? Why go back? <clears throat> so we're free in Christ. Christ has set us free. We are not obligated because Christ has paid it all, but we, we obey because number one, out of response to God's grace. Number two, because to obey our sinful desires enslaves us. And number three is that obeying God is being a part of something bigger than ourselves. Obeying God is being, is being a part of something greater than ourselves. So back to verse 13. We're going to finish it. He says, For you are called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. But through love serve one another. When we obey God by serving other people, we're a part of something bigger than ourselves. God's mission. The, God's bride, the church. And it's a high calling. Following the example of Christ who came to serve and not to be served. To build up the body. To build each other up who are then sent out to have an impact on other people's lives in our families, in our jobs, in our schools. And in the process, as Jesus prays when he was not here on earth, that it's a witness to our lost community, our, our unity, our love together. And it's a high calling. And honestly, I hear many stories of this already happening. I hear about supporting the lumberings. I hear about it, men going over to help other men cutting wood. I hear about a member helping another couple with financial means or uh, financial decisions. I hear about a mom taking care of someone else's kids. I hear about a lady who visits regularly our elderly members and our, our sick members our, of, our, of our church family. This is a happening and it's awesome. God has given each of us of those who believe spiritual gifts for the sole purpose of serving each other. So what has God given you to serve others? Is it serving has God given you the gift of serving, to serve other people, to serve the body, and have people affirmed and thank you for that? Is it teaching? Have people told you, hey, I've really benefited from you teaching, you sharing in the Sunday school class? I really got a lot from that. Is it encouragement? 
Has God given you a gift where you pour courage on other people? And they thank you for it. Is it giving? Has God blessed you with a gift to give of your resources, your time, your energy to serve others? Is it leading? Do people thrive under your leadership in whatever form that looks like? And they thank you for being that example by leading by example. Is it compassion? Do people receive your love and compassion and know that they're cared and they're loved because you entered their room and you talked with them? And the last one I want to mention, is it wisdom and knowledge? Do people thank you for advice that you've shared with them about a particular situation? Because we all have spiritual gifts and we're called to use them. So are you using them to serve our church family here? If you are, praise God, you're building each other up. If not, we need you. Us in this room, we need you. So we are free. We are free from the law. We are free from trying to earn favor with God because Christ has paid it all. But we obey out of a response to God's grace. We obey because obedience to our sinful desires is slavery. It's enslaving. And we obey because it's being a part of something bigger than ourselves. Being a part of the church family, the church body, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ. That brings us to the fourth reason why we obey. We obey because happiness is in obeying God. Happiness is in obeying God. Paul writes, verse 14, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now this may seem weird, and I say that because his whole argument so far has been we are not under the law, right? Now he brings up the law and starts talking about it. It's like, Paul, what are you doing here, man? You've just been arguing this whole time that we're not under the law. But follow with me. So he's, he's saying here, in the Mosaic law, it contained moral commands, like do not kill, do not steal, that reflect God's character, God's righteous and holy character. And so there's, there's commands within the Mosaic law that reflect God's character. And we as believers in the New Testament repeatedly are called to, to become more like Christ. We're called to be holy as he is holy. We're called to be more like God. So Paul is making very clear, Christ has fulfilled the law. Christ's perfect righteousness is given to us through faith in him. And we are not obligated to keep the law because of that. But Paul is saying here, is that when we follow this one command about loving one another, we fulfill the moral elements of the law, those, those commands that reflect God's character, we fulfill that by following this command. But we're not obligated under the law. We follow it because that's who God is and it reflects who God is and we want to become more like Him. Happiness is in obeying God. And when we think of freedom, as I, I said earlier, we think about doing what we want to do. And so when we say that happiness is in obeying God, it almost seems paradoxical in our, in our, in my mind at least. Like, you tell me <coughs> obeying someone else is, is freedom? But if we think about it, and consider this with me, 
Is there anything lasting and fulfilling good outside of doing what God's will is, what God's command is? What came about last time you got unrightfully angry at your parents or at your spouse? What came about the last time you gossiped? What came about the last time you looked at pornography? Nothing good comes from that. But when we follow what God says, when we forgive, when we die to self and serve others, good comes from that. One author says this, Our deepest desires are realized when we do God's will. Our deepest desires are realized when we do God's will. Very counterintuitive to what we naturally think, but God is good and he's for our good. His commands are not just to boss us around, but it is for our good. And so if we want the best for us, the best is to follow what God says. In the upper room, when Jesus washed his disciples' feet, he took the role as a slave and washed their feet. And none of them did. At the end, he says, to follow his example, and he says, you are blessed if you do this. You are blessed if you do this. You follow my example in serving one another. And the word blessed literally is happy. It's a sense of happiness. And it begins Psalm 1. The writer says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Our deepest desires are fulfilled in obeying God. Happy is the person that obeys God. Happy is the person that obeys God. In the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, obedience was the requirement. The Old Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant, was the requirement for its people to enjoy God's favor. Obedience was the requirement in the Old Covenant for people to enjoy God's favor. In the New Covenant, we have God's favor in Christ. But obedience is a gift to be happy and to be blessed. In the Old Covenant... Obedience was a requirement for God's favor. In the new covenant, we have God's favor in Christ. And obedience is a gift for us to be happy and to be blessed. So why should we obey? Number one, in response to God's amazing grace. Number two, because obeying our sinful desires is enslaving. Number three, because obeying God is being a part of something bigger than ourselves. And number four, because happiness is in obeying God. And that brings us to our last point. Number five, Paul says we should obey because of the consequences of disobedience. Because of the consequences of disobedience. Follow with me. Verse 15, ending that passage, he says, But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. So he gives us a warning of disobedience. But please note this. The warning is not punishment. It is not punishment because Christ has took all of God's wrath, all of God's punishment that we deserve, Christ has paid for it. So this this consequence for disobedience is not punishment. 
What it is, though, is that there's consequences. There's consequences in our church family. There's consequences in our family. And it's a, definitely a consequence in our witness to our lost community. There's no punishment for disobedience because Christ has paid it all. He's took it all of our disobedience. But there are consequences for our church family, for our family, and for our witness to the community. And you see, look at this picture that Paul uses. But if you bite and devour one another, and the picture he gives here is like two wild animals fighting to the death. Two wild animals. He says, if you guys bite and devour one another, watch out that you're not consumed by one another. When we use our freedom of Christ to fulfill our desires, to satisfy our sinful desires, we're like wild animals that are only looking out for us. We see people as either a consumable for our purposes and our desires, or we see them in the way, and either way, we're going to take them out. We're going to bite and devour and consume. And Paul is saying, obey, because if you don't, you're going to destroy each other. You're going to destroy your family. It's going to negatively affect your church, and it will definitely affect your witness to the lost community. So obey God, because there's consequences. You will not be punished, because Christ has paid it all. You'll definitely be disciplined out of love, as, Paul, uh, as the writer of Hebrews makes clear in Hebrews 12. But the consequences is that it will affect your family, your church family, and your witness to the world. So there they are, the five reasons why we should obey. In light of the freedom in the gospel, in light that we are, it's been paid, we are not under any obligation because Christ has paid it all. So why then obey? Because number one, out of response to God's grace. We obey out of response to God's grace. Number two, we obey because obeying our sinful desires is enslaving. It enslaves us again. Why go back to that? We just got freed from that. Number three, we obey because obeying God is being a part of something bigger than ourselves. It's building up the body. It's encouraging each other and that then we go out and impact other people. Number four, we obey because happiness is in obeying God. Happiness is in obeying God. When we die to self and we love our wives, when we die to self and we love our husbands, we love our kids, we love our neighbors, there's happiness. We're blessed, God says. And number five, we obey because disobedience, there's consequences to our church family, to our family, and to our witness to the world. So this week, as we are reading the Bible, as we are listening to sermons, podcasts, whatever, when we're hearing his word, will we just hear it or will we actually work to put it in practice? When we hear about forgiving the person that's really hurt us, will we just hear it or will we work to obey it and work through that and process through that? When we hear about putting other people's interests above our own, will we just hear it or will we obey it, knowing that there's happiness and obedience, that disobedience, there's consequences, that we're responding to God's love, that we're being a part of something bigger. So obey God, not because you have to, because you're not obligated in Christ, but because you get to. Obedience is a gift to us. Let's pray.
Father, Lord, how unnatural it is for us to to obey someone else that's not ourselves. Lord, help us, God. Lord, this week, may you open our eyes and just get a, a fresh view of your gospel. May we get a fresh view of your love for us, God. And know that we, um, it can be unbelievable sometimes, God, that you would love a sinner like me with the stuff I've done, with the mistakes that I continue to do. And I know we all can relate to that. Lord, may, may your love just pour out into our lives so that it overflows in the people in our lives, in our families, in our jobs, in our schools. Lord, may we view obedience as not a have to because we don't because Christ has, but we get to, Lord, that it's a gift for us. Thank you, Lord. And we pray this, God, in your your son's name who has set us free. Amen.